asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives. But those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I'm Matt. And today we're talking with Chris and Christy from Life Opted Out. That's right, Joel. For this episode, we have Chris and Christy here with us for a live in-person interview. Close to a year ago, they embarked on an adventure where they chose to leave their life in New York City for a much simpler and a much more affordable life, all while traveling and experiencing all that our country has to offer. And it turns out that a lot of what they've learned up to this point is not exclusive and specific to van life on the road. Their lessons can also be applied to anyone living a more traditional, stationary life like us. <laughs> so we are excited to chat with them about that. And also because over a million folks are traveling around the country in some sort of van right now. And plus, some of our listeners have been asking about this too. Yeah, and we are changing up the Money Pro episodes. Uh, we, we loved kind of that format, but we missed the kind of interview format too. The fact that we could connect with people, sit down and have a conversation. And so, Matt, we're excited to kind of transition and do more interview-based episodes as opposed to those kind of prepackaged Money Pro type shows that we were doing. Yeah, but onto the beer. We are drinking a lovely beer today. Uh, it's called Nothing Left to Give by Orpheus Brewing. It's a raspberry sour and I know that you're going to love this beer because you like anything raspberry. Exactly. Yeah. And our friend Jimmy uh, down at Orpheus Brewing here in Atlanta was kind enough to give us uh, some of this beer. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to tasting this one. Sadly, Chris and Christy, yeah, side note, right? they're not drinking beer because it's Lent. So Chris and Christy, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Great to be here, guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. And I'm just so sad that you're not drinking with us, but that's okay. We can still be friends and we'll, we'll send you beer with you so that you can have it when uh, Easter hits. Thank so, you. Yeah. Yeah, guys, I'm so glad that you are here with us. Uh, you want to introduce exactly who you are and, and why you guys are on the road doing this project, Life Opted Out. So we used to live in New York City and Washington, D.C. Uh, Christy is an attorney and I'm a journalist. I was a political journalist, covered campaigns, politics, was on the road a lot, traveled a lot. And uh, we were in New York City and there was a round of layoffs where I worked. And we had to make a decision. Should we continue to live in a very expensive apartment in Manhattan? 
or try something completely different. And Christy had an idea. So I've been thinking about this book project that I wanted to do with Chris, where we traveled the country and talked to people who are kind of choosing to live a little differently and maybe opt out of the mainstream American dream, which we kind of define as that nine to five job, big mortgage on your house, all the stuff and kind of consumed by that consumerism. And so we've been traveling the country talking to people who are choosing to find financial independence and retire early. Uh, People who are choosing to build their own houses, build sustainably. People who are living like us on the road in RVs or vans or buses or whatever. So the idea of, of living on the road actually just came from well, that seems like a really practical way to travel the country for cheap and to be able to like go to all these places and meet all these people we want to interview. Chris got laid off and like two days later, we're like, yeah, let's buy a van, build it out <laughs> ourselves, live in it and travel the country and talk to people and find out why people are living differently and what we can learn from them. Which sounds very exciting. And then you realize that <laughs> neither of us had ever used a power tool before. Um, and we had never worked with our hands. I was a commercial fisherman in Alaska after college, and that's the last time I think I've been outside. Well, that's pretty hardcore, for, though. Yeah, it, it was cool. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I was poor at it, and they called me names. But um, you know, it, it was tough. But we had not built anything. We had no carpentry skills. We had no engineering skills and anything like that. But there was all these kids on YouTube that kept building houses and vans that looked like we could do that. So we gave away almost everything sold what we could, left our apartment, went down to Florida where it was warm. This was around winter time. And in, where our parents live. And where our parents live. Okay. And we bought a used Ram ProMaster, uh, which is like one of those like work van, one of the white work vans with a high top. Yeah, we just went out to see it and mm-hmm. it's pretty small and I could barely fit in it. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm six foot five, so I had to abnormally bend over. tall. Abnormally for sure. Uh, but you had a pretty sweet setup. Tell yeah, us about your setup. We shrunk down to 72 square feet. The electricity is solar powered. We have 200 watts of solar up top, and that powers our refrigerator, running water, lights, and if you need to charge your phone or uh, electricity. We also have a water containment system that gives us about 100 liters of water at a time and a bed that can fold into couches during the day. It took us one month to build because we had a deadline. Every day we were spending longer not uh, moving out of our apartment in New York. We had to pay to be in New York. So we had to hmm. build the van, get it to New York, get rid of our stuff and not pay New York rent anymore. And uh, I hear it's expensive it, up there. It can be, <laughs> definitely. And uh, we started in May of 2018. Um, and we've been on the road. We've done 24,000 miles ever since. Wow. You guys are coming up now in almost a year. Mm-hmm. Like, what are your thoughts now towards travel? So obviously you mentioned, Christy, how it's an effective, maybe affordable way to see the country, get on the road, meet lots of interesting folks. Now that you've been doing it for close to 12 months now, do you feel the same towards travel that you did you know, back when you did start? Yeah. First of all, I'll say the van life that you see on Instagram, the glamorous, like <laughs> sexy 20 year olds camping on the beach. Why like, are they always without pants? <laughs> Where did their pants Where's go? that guy's shirt? They Come can't on. afford pants because well, they live mom, in a van. Their mom didn't join them on the road to tell them, put your pants on. <laughs> you know? uh, so that is not real van life. Yeah. Van life is more like a really extended camping trip or living in a cabin without running water hot running water without uh, running water or a toilet and going to the bathroom with your spouse close to you closer <laughs> to- <laughs> all right so how uh, on the bathroom note that's definitely a curiosity let's just, let's just talk let's, about yeah, it. yeah exactly let's, let's get it out of the way now that's definitely a question that people have when they hear people taking an alternative route like this and living in a van how does that work uh, when you have to go especially like in the middle of the night and how many captain d's have you had to go to the bathroom at um, I guess Captain D is question. like a, a gas station. Is that what? No, like the, a, the fish joint. Like I don't oh, know, like a fast Captain food restaurant. Oh, Come on. What? Y'all. All right. Down in the uh, south, there's a lot of Captain or D. Or McDonald's. Okay. Oh, yeah. McDonald's. Uh, how many? I, I think that in order to understand our whole van situation, that you have to understand that one of, of my core values is simplicity. And so our van build and our van is very simple. And so we chose the most simple toilet situation that we could think of, apart from peeing in a mason jar or a uh, Gatorade bottle, which is what a lot of people do. Like Dumb and Dumber Uh, style. (laughs) (laughs) So we just have a camp toilet. It was like, you know, super cheap, bought on Amazon. It's just a plastic thing that has a 
container at the bottom that you can take off and then dump into a real toilet. Yeah. It's small (laughs) enough that you could carry it and we just take it off and then like dump it into a toilet somewhere. I just take it off and dump it. (laughs) I do. All right. So now we know the division of labor a little bit too. (laughs) But so real quick though, let's get back to the question though. Like has your attitudes changed, uh, changed towards travel? Yeah. We, we kind of got diverted by the, uh, the toilet talk, which which I love, but change of travel. Yes. Because I had no idea that you could live in America for free. If you build your own systems, as we did, that provide electricity through the sun and enough water to carry around with you. And a and contained a, toilet. A contained toilet. <laughs> no one wants you like peeing on the ground. And a shelter in the van. You can very realistically live in the United States almost rent free. And that is through Bureau of Land Management land, National Forest land, through technology. There are so many ways to share information with other people doing this to say where you can stay and where you cannot. I grew up thinking that anything fun had to cost money. Mm. You had to pay for a campsite. Why are we even paying for this campsite? It's crowded with tacky people. Mm. Why are we doing this? And we found that the best campsites and the best places are all free. And, you know, if you pull together your money for gas and food and after that, there's very few expenses. I learned that a little bit. I, I took a three-month road trip across the country back in the day, and I learned that a little bit. There's this website, couchsurfing.com, and people are more than happy to list their house. And then in turn, when I had a place here in Atlanta, I'd listed mine, and people could stay there. And that kind of community exists, and there are free places to stay. You just have to look for them, mm-hmm. and you just have to decide to live life a little bit differently. Speaking of which, your van is pretty small. You said 72 square feet. What was the decision? Was it pure simplicity, Christy, because that's uh, something you care about a lot? Or, or why did you go for something so intensely small as opposed to something a little bit bigger for your travels? There is a van that is a bit bigger than the current van that we have. Ours is kind of like the middle size. Um, basically, the, just to give people an idea of the living space is six feet by 12 feet by, you know, six foot one. Basically, yeah, not tall enough for me. No. (laughs) And we chose this size van because we can park in any parking spot. Chris Chris is an excellent driver. He can even maneuver that into a compact spot sometimes. And also, uh, there are limitations a lot of places on the length of vehicle. Um, In some national parks, your vehicle can only be so long. Some like back roads and dirt roads that we take in national forests, your vehicle can only be so long. And so we just wanted to be nimble and able to get around and be able to park wherever we wanted to park. In addition to that, our van is just like a white van. It looks more or less like a sprinter van, but it looks like, you know, a plumber's van or a work van. And we can just park it on the street in front of your house and sleep here. And no one would really question for the most part, whether or not like someone was in there or if that was like (laughs) legitimately could be there. And so part of the reason why we don't have an RV or a trailer to pull or something like that is so that we can stealth camp wherever we want. And we have, we've stealth camped in several cities it's not the most comfortable thing to do and you kind of want to be quiet and keep the lights down, but we can do it if we, if we need to, which is good. And that was a big part of why we chose that van is the, is the, is the price uh, as far as if you want to be traveling for an extended period of time to pay for a campsite every night, $25, $30 a night will add up so quickly. And an RV in many cases is not self-contained. You have to go to and hook up. You have to dump your, your water or whatever. We don't have to do that. We can, do it on our own individually. And we are, as Christy said, incredibly nimble. And it allows us to extend this trip because it's far less expensive. Also, gas mileage. A big RV Mm. is going to give you six miles per gallon. And we're doing about 17 to 18 miles per gallon, which will get you so much further. Yeah, I love that you have systems set up in place that allows you, like you said, to be more flexible. And you want to be able to explore all the different options, right? When you're Mm -hmm. limited, if you're limited by the size because you have a 30-foot trailer or a 30-foot RV, yeah, like there's maybe some national parks that you can't actually make it to. That's kind of a bummer because it's not like you have another vehicle that you're pulling behind that vehicle. Yeah, and part of the reason that we chose to do this, part of the reason why we chose to give away and sell our possessions is to experiment in, in very voluntary simplicity, but kind of extreme simplicity. So, you know, we have basically 25 gallons of water, which can last us a week in the even in the desert if we're not taking showers. But we don't have a lot of clothes in our van. We actually, it's kind of crazy, we have full, our full camping gear because we actually do still go camping. We have our backpacking gear, our backpacking tents, like all that stuff, nice. which sounds funny because we... You're basically camping. camping all the time. <laughs> we're camping all the time. But sometimes, sometimes you just like, got to get away from it all. <laughs> just leave it all behind. You want to go camping tonight? Let's do it. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, 
on the subject of your van, yeah, can you tell us just a little bit about, you said it took a month to build, but about how much did it cost to buy the van and then build it out mm-hmm. so yeah. that people kind of know if they're interested in getting into something like that? So the costs can vary so widely, just like anything. Let me start at the, at the beginning. We visited an RV store, one of those big camping world warehouse kind of places, and they have these beautiful RVs and stuff that looks a lot like what we have, just fancier. And we, saw, we thought, well, maybe we'll just buy one and then we can hit the road right now. Until we looked at the price. And we're talking $125,000 for the same chassis and the systems that we built just by professionals, I suppose. And we saw maybe one for 70, 80,000. Wow. They'll tell you, well, you just, you know, finance it. It's like, you know, we're already facing student loans. Not. I'm not going to yeah. put on another, you know, huge finance loan. I remember a guy told us, well, you kids, you watch your YouTubes and you think you can just build your own van. No. How are you going to power your microwave and your television? You can't build your own van. <laughs> and I'm like, we're not going to have them. He's like, you have to have a television. And we said, no. And it was just a very strange, awkward interaction with this salesman. Uh, so we were resolved to build our own through Home Depot, Lowe's, um, and whatever else little places we bought, all the materials. Um, Amazon. Amazon, huge. And uh, we built it for about $5,000 plus the cost of the van. And the van, we bought it gently used. So that came to around $25,000. But you can go much cheaper. You can buy an older van uh, just for a couple grand. We just knew that with the limited time we'd be on the road underneath two years, we just did not want to have to deal with fixing things a lot. And hopefully we can we can turn around and sell it later on when we're finished because we did put a lot of labor and work into it. And when people just want to hit the road, you know, they'll pay a little money to to go and have to build it themselves. Yeah. So that's the cost for the build out. Do you have an idea as far as what you spend monthly? You know, so while you're on the road, I know it certainly like it varies depending on what you're doing, what sites you're seeing, what you're paying for. But like on average. Yeah. Let's talk about just the basic costs and then you can add on all the fun you want on your own. Right. Right. I'll do a rundown for you guys. Car payment, about 950 bucks a month. Trying to get that paid off real quickly. Insurance, $125 a month. If you're building it out on your own, uh, it's often going to be considered a commercial vehicle. So you'll pay a little bit more for that insurance. Our average gas cost in 2018 was $281 a month. That will depend on how much you drive and where you're driving. And we went 23,000 miles last year. So it was... A pretty big trip. And you can do a great van life experience without driving that much. Right. Right. All right. Cell phone. We have two cell phones with data plans and an iPad with a data plan too to do some work on it. $120 a month. Groceries. $560 a month. Planet Fitness, where we may shower. $23 a month. Oh, there you go. That's how you get the showers. Nicely done. Uh Laundry. $30 a month for uh, laundromats. And what's called... Harvest Hosts. This is a program that allows us to stay on farms, vineyards, and golf courses for free to sleep overnight. And then we can pick up our fresh fruits and vegetables or wine. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> awesome. So we paid uh, at the time $45 for the whole year for that. The total is right around $2,100 a month wow. in expenses. I will tell you that that is so much less than one monthly rent payment on our apartment back in New York. Just on rent. Yeah. <laughs> this is everything. And then the rest would be entertainment, eating out. And that's totally up to the consumer. Of yeah, course. Up to yeah. you guys. So 2100 for your basics if you're eating in and traveling. And not spending money on campgrounds. Well, yeah, the reason we ask that is, I mean, on average, like the average American expenses that you typically hear are like maybe around $60,000 and that comes down to about 5000 a month. And what you just outlined right there, you're looking at less than half of what the average American is spending. At the same time, you're able to see the country. You're able to see sites that people would dream of seeing or pay a ton of money to go see. And you guys are basically rolling that into your life right now while saving a ton of money. So kudos to you guys. I love that. All right, Matt, we'll get more into what a typical day looks like with Chris and Christy and whether they think that this is kind of lifestyle is possible with kids and even more questions right after the break. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. 
They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Spring cleaning is kind of an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember, because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Kachava is the all in one superfood shake made up of high quality plant based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000 plus five star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Cachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Cachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Cachava. Just go to Cachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money i'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans we always like to get the families together matt for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer we've already got that trip to saint simon's on the calendar pumped for that but sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. All right, we're back from the break. And real quick, I wanted to ask you guys, how long have y'all... So y'all are married. How long have y'all been together? And did you do any traveling, say, before you went on this big trip, right? Like, do you have a history of learning how to travel together? Uh, that whole thing as we sort of dive into the more of the lifestyle of life on the road. So Chris and I have been together for about 13 years. We've been married for five, going on six. Yeah. We've done quite a lot of traveling together and learning to be flexible in different situations. When we first started dating, when we just graduated from college, we decided to go to India and work in Mother Teresa's charities in Kolkata. And uh, we spent four months traveling the subcontinent sleeping on trains, jumping <laughs> off trains, <laughs> riding on top of buses, doing everything that was dangerous. and But, but it sounds very legit. That's all, that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Right? Uh, and then we worked in Mother Teresa's charities for um, a month and a half or so. And we learned a lot about each other and how to deal with hardship together. Let's be a little more specific. 
if, if you don't mind, Christy. <laughs> uh, well, so yeah, we were working under pretty, you know, like tough conditions, like with, with people going through incredibly hard times. Yeah. And that was, it was very stressful, you know, to experience that, especially as a kind of a, a Westerner that hasn't experienced that before. Also, we were in a place where the, the, the bathroom situation was not as closed off from the living situation as we are used to in, in the West. And there are sicknesses when you're traveling. And um, you can imagine having a traveling sickness with someone you just started dating and they're right there <laughs> on the other side of just the partition. And we had to decide, wow, are we going to just accept this way that we are, like our humanity together and love each other? And, you know, if we can go through this, we can go through quite about anything. <laughs> and um, that's as specific as I, I imagine viewers want us to be. <laughs> but the point is that we started our relationship going through something very trying. And I think that that has helped sustain through our relationship for all these years. Speaking of which, we're talking about living in poverty and, and I'm sure, yeah, you get to know somebody really quickly in an environment like that. But uh, when it comes to living in a van, like you guys are doing, there are, are certainly people who uh, are uh, forced to live in a van or, or that is the only place that they can find because of financial circumstances. And yet there is this kind of van life, hashtag van life movement on Instagram. And there's all these, as you mentioned, pantsless people uh, that are, <laughs> that are just Instagramming the heck out of it, becoming influencers and all that, all that crazy stuff. What has it been like for you on the road, the kind of people that you've met and uh, what's your take on kind of the dichotomy of the situation that people traveling in, in vehicles and vans across the country find themselves in? Well, I think there's, this also plays along in the fire community and the minimalist community, because in those communities, often they're they're based on a lot of privilege, on, on education, on taking risks, because you know that there is some kind of cushion, whether it's family or financial, in the background. You're, you're lucky to be born maybe in a family that taught you the, these values, right? And in van life, uh, as, as you, you spoke, there, there is this Instagram van life that is, is privilege. It's a lot of people choosing to live that way for, for reasons, for experimental reasons, or for lifestyle reasons and then or for um, money saving reasons or for money too, right? saving yeah. right but then there's also people who are struggling in the United States today working jobs that don't pay enough or unable to find work at all that are living finding their only way they can live is on the road or in vans um, it's documented in a great book called uh, Nomad Lands and i think it's really important to to show that there are different kind of reasons that people go out and do this and to acknowledge the privilege when it's there and i think that we have that and we're grateful to be able to do this because of that. So yeah, I just want to point that out for yeah. sure. But the kind of people we meet, I'll tell you one thing that's so fascinating on this trip. I came from Washington in a political background in journalism. And if you live in Washington right now, you feel as though the United States is on the brink of some kind of weird civil war. You hear that all the time on, in the media and everything. But what we find with people as we've traveled is, is that people might come from different places in the way they see the world, but the ones that are living out their intentionality are arriving at the same places at the end, even if they come from completely different spots. Mm. They're arriving in voluntary simplicity in focusing on community building. Also, you know, like frugality and things like that. Rejecting consumerism. Rejecting consumerism. And, you know, we were in Puerto Rico a couple months ago building self-sustainable houses. And we're talking like, dreadlock sandinistas are working with like ayn rand libertarians <laughs> for totally different reasons to build the same thing yeah um and and we've seen so much of that i know that was a lot of places i just went <laughs> <laughs> no that's awesome i love that let's talk a little bit too about i guess so your lifestyle now so now that you guys are on the road what does your typical day look like you wake up let's we'll start there we'll start in the morning and then we'll end at night wherever you uh, are going to arrive christy let's let's kick this off to you chores right yeah so <laughs> we've talked a little bit about the the glamorous image of van life on instagram it is not by any means glamorous there's a lot of chores it's kind of like like i said like living in a cabin where everything is manual and you have to fetch your own water and make sure you have <laughs> fuel and electricity and all these things you know and there's a big learning curve too i will say that for anyone who is thinking about this lifestyle it takes about a good couple of months to figure out how to find a place to, to sleep every night, you know, how to kind of function in a small space and with, with your systems. But for us, a, a normal day, usually, you know, we wake up, I would say like the majority of the time, if we're not at a harvest house location, we're at a uh, national forest or something like that. Like basically we're in the woods somewhere camping for free. 
And so we wake up, Chris makes coffee. It's very important. This is husbandly <laughs> duty. <laughs> we have a, a lot of chores that we have to do. Uh, living in a van requires you to always do your dishes and put all of them away. Hmm. Always requires you to, you know, change out the waters. We have a little cook stove. We have to take that out, put it together, put it away every time we cook. And so, you know, to make coffee, either if we have enough solar, we use an like electric kettle or we use our propane stove, you know, to heat up the water. And then we, Chris and I are really big into um, having at least some semblance of normalcy. So we every day read in the morning. That's very important to us. We, we don't talk. We don't look at our phones. We don't do any of that. We don't work. We just read for as long as we can get away with. And then we have breakfast together. And then we usually go somewhere and do a little work in the morning. And one sneaky um, cost of van life that I've noticed a lot of people get in the habit of is going to coffee shops and places like that to do your work Mm -hmm. where you have to buy a coffee and then maybe you feel bad and you buy another coffee or you (laughs) buy a lunch or whatever. Joel doesn't feel that pressure, by the way. (laughs) We've covered that in previous episodes. Uh, Chris and I, we hardly ever go to coffee shops. We always go to public libraries. We love public libraries. We've been to public libraries all across the country. They're wonderful. They're helpful. You can stay there as long as they're open and have free Wi-Fi and no one gives you the evil eye for not buying another cup of coffee. Nice. Um, so we usually go to a library or something like that and, you know, do a couple hours of work. We're both working sort of as freelance writers right now. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're doing. And so then you want to get out. Uh, so like in the summertime, we'll hike five to 10 miles a day when you have that time of daylight to be able to do that. So is that typically how you spend your afternoons? Mm-hmm. So you get up, mm-hmm. kind of get your coffee, you kind of have some, you know, some downtime in the morning, mm-hmm. go off that morning, try to get some work done. Mm-hmm. And then, so like, is this the afternoons? Afternoon? Maybe like after yep. lunch, after, you are yep. you're spending probably kinda... about like three or four in the afternoon, then go do a good solid hike uh, and then come home, make dinner and then do all the chores all over again. Everything yeah. has to be cleaned. Everything has to be put away. You only have so many things, <laughs> so you can't just put them somewhere else. There's right. so many places. Yeah. Are, you, are you eating most of your meals in the van? Yes. Dep- yes. In the summertime, you know, you can spread out a little bit. I think it's hard in a colder climate. You, mm-hmm. You're just so stuffed in, which is why we followed the weather as much as we could. Oh, nice. um, the van up until the other day did not have any heat at all. We just bought like a space heater because we're like, okay, let's just plug in if it's too cold. <laughs> but um, we were up at the top of the Canadian Rockies at the height of summer, and we were in the Florida Keys in the bottom of winter. Right. So that was our climate control, was our wheels. That's very cool. Well, you mentioned making money on the road. Y'all are freelance journalists, which is which is super cool and definitely a job that you can take with you. And and there are lots of people in, in the current economy that can find a way to, to ask for uh, some time uh, away so that they can, you know, they could work on the road. They could ask for that and, and their employers would grant it to them. What else have you found occupationally that people are up to as you travel and meet people that are, yeah, living life on wheels? We just spent a weekend at the RV Entrepreneur Summit, which is a gathering of people that live and work on the road so they could share ideas. It was kind of like a business conference for nomads, basically. Nice. And we met, uh, obviously, writers, a lot of people doing digital services for companies which can be so many things, but often is like handling their social media accounts, Pinterest, Instagram, Twitter, and then have handling multiple uh, people. Also folks running sales businesses just on the road. And then other people who work in maybe an IT or something that is digital that they can work wherever they work for a regular company like IBM or whatever, and they just work wherever they want to. And they had to ask to do that, or they were told that they are now remote. And then they said, okay, bye. They bought an RV and sold their house. The one drawback though, I'd say to working, if you're working full time on the road, you have to be like at a desk from nine to five. That structure is really difficult on the road because your whole day is stuck having to be so-called on, you know, online. When can you go anywhere else? You've worked a full day. And then at 5 PM, you're going to drive across the desert to get to the next place. Uh, that was a common complaint we heard from people hmm. that the best case scenario is to be able to own your own time schedule mm. and be able to work when and and how you want it to. And the nine to five is a really hard thing to just jam into like the nomadic RV life, although people do it and are incredibly happy and they do it with children 
in that tow. was the next question. How is it possible with children? Do you well, think? I don't know. <laughs> we do not have children. You haven't done it, but you've seen. We have least, seen right? people in vans similar to our size with two children or three living with them wow. in the van, and their dog, which is always some kind of Saint Bernard or something <laughs> crazy, like the largest dog. Yeah, like yeah. how do you guys? Do? It's just the two of us. We're like, this is this is plenty. But people get, you know, they, they can upsize. They do the, the buses, they do the vans, the bigger vans. The RVs. RVs and, and that makes it possible. And, and people who were just going to take like a six-month or 12-month trip end up doing it for years. Mm. It is, mm. we're at this wonderful place in the United States or I guess around the world where you have this intersection of, of technology and, and ability where people can work wherever they want. They don't have to live the way everyone told them they're supposed to. And fire people know that, you know, really well. And so do these like digital nomads. They say like, there's no reason I have to live like my mom and dad. I can do 10 million more things just because of the availability. We just have to be flexible enough to take advantage of it. Have you seen, uh, is it Captain Fantastic or Captain Awesome? That was a very influential movie, wasn't was it, it yeah. Christy? Like you mentioned, like the school bus and, you know, with lots of kids. It made me think of that, that movie there for a second. You yeah. like that one? We love that movie. That's a great movie. I, I thought that movie was great in that it wasn't just a one-sided film to say the minimalists are right. He was uh, a conflicted character, the father in this film, you know, and they had to strike some balance in yeah. the end, which, which I think was made it an, an excellent movie. Yeah. yeah. And more true to life, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. When it comes to community, you guys left New York City and I'm not sure what your community was like there. I know for Matt and I, we've talked about this and, and going on the road would be so cool, but the, the difficulty would be how much we would miss our community, the, mm-hmm. the people that we live closely with that in our neighborhood and, and just so many good friends and, and it, a pace of life here. How has that transition been for you? And, and have you missed your friends and your community? And yeah, what's what's that been like? Yeah, absolutely. We we had a wonderful community in New York City. We had a church about a block away from our house and we have a small group. And after church, you'd be like, hey, you guys want to come over? And it was it was really wonderful. We had a lot of wonderful friends there. And we have a lot of wonderful friends in D.C. as well, where we lived for 10 years before we moved to New York. So community is really the struggle on the road for a lot of people. We do go occasionally to van meetups where we meet up with people who are very similar to us and we feel, you know, like really pumped and we're like, this is great. Mm-hmm. Look at all these people who are doing what we're doing. One thing about people who live in vans though, is that we're all moving to different places and moving around constantly. And so you don't get to see those people very often. Occasionally after a van meetup, we'd just be like, Hey, you guys want to go somewhere and travel together? And we'd travel with someone for a week or go with one group for a couple of days and another group for a couple of days, which is really cool. But one thing we do try to do is most Sundays, wherever we are, we try to find a church, any church, and go to it. So we just like are driving down the road and we're like, there is a church. It doesn't matter what It's kind. usually which church has their services between 11 and noon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sometimes we go to Catholic, sometimes we go to Methodist, Presbyterian, any like anything. We'll just go and pop in and talk to people. And if they have a little fellowship afterwards where they have lunch or coffee or something, we, we stop to talk to them. Usually... A lot, a lot of places we've been, you know, churches, especially um, big denominations like the old Methodists and stuff are really like, you know, kind of getting older and sort of starting to kind of die off. And they're very excited to see young people in the church and everyone <laughs> wants to talk to us. And we're like, oh, we're just passing through. We're actually leaving right after this. Thanks for the <laughs> coffee and donuts. Yeah. <laughs> I think the community question that has probably been the hardest part, mm-hmm. honestly, And it has really emphasized to me the importance of being present with people when you are with them and not just being absent. We, you know, we've all been on our phones or or whatever is um, distracting us from those moments of pure community that are so important. And so with that loss in our lives and, and let's not kid ourselves, community is essential to our human livelihoods. This is very important stuff. And you have to intentionally seek it out when you're on the road. And I would argue you have to do so when you're living a more normal life, too. Mm. But it has been on the forefront of our minds and is something we really work to try to f- facilitate whenever we can. I think it's a, yeah, that's a good point that even in our normal everyday life, we forsake community so much of the time. Most Americans don't know their neighbor or have a vibrant community where they live. And that's something that takes intentionality, whether you're living in a van or you're living a traditional lifestyle, right? 
Yeah. And so to that note, you mentioned earlier, you, you briefly just said it, but you said two years. It sounded like that two years was going to be maybe like the time frame that you're going to be operating within. So are you planning to settle down somewhere, uh, you know, at the end of the, the two years? And B, two-part question, is this just really just a giant scouting trip to figure out where you want to live? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, sort yeah, of. Actually, really, yeah, actually, yeah. Um, we, we have been testing every place we visit. I'm like, would we want to live here? Yeah. Could we live here? Based upon many different, you know, parameters. But yeah, we're, we're looking at where we want to settle down, where we'll be financially feasible, where work can be. We loved New York City. We'll go back to New York if there's an opportunity that makes it possible. And we also want to start a family if that is in the cards for us. We're in our 30s now. Time's ticking. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's kind of our timeline. Um, and we have no interest in being pregnant in a van. <laughs> I mean, is it I we no or is it Chrissy? Yeah. No, no, okay, right. I didn't mean to speak for you. Yeah. <laughs> our wives are pregnant. I don't think they'd be into that either. So. Yeah, yeah, probably not. But we're, we're totally with you, though. Joel and I, we've, we, we often talk about traveling. It's like, oh, we could take the podcast on the road, load up the families. But the number one thing we would miss, certainly we have our, our own friendship and our families. But we would totally miss the community that we're a part of here. And for us, that is just so incredibly important. And even you, you know, you mentioned the, the van meetups and that's great. And you can do some things for the moment, but if you try to maintain those relationships, well, what does that turn into? It turns into you maintaining these relationships electronically. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, that's not true relationship. It's, it's mm-hmm. sort of a stopgap until you're able to see each other again. At least that's, that's one of the ways uh, that I view sort of uh, maintaining relationships digitally. I'm real excited someday to be able to know that like every Wednesday night, I'm going to have dinner with the same group of people that are going to come over and have a drink (laughs) and have dinner together. And that's something we just don't have anymore. Mm. We have it together and we try to facilitate community on our small scale together. But to be able to have that consistency of relationships, that is something we're really looking forward to. Yeah. Hard to build deep, meaningful relationships Mm -hmm. on the road, except for with your significant other, which is which is definitely something that I got to imagine you guys will never forget. We'll get into a a little bit more of this discussion, especially some of the highlights and lowlights. I'm really interested to hear that uh, (laughs) right after this break. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money i'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans we always like to get the families together matt for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer we've already got that trip to saint simon's on the calendar pump for that but sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, 
You already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. All right, we're back. Highlights and lowlights. Chris, I saw you smile when I saw I said lowlights. So will you fill us in? What, what's the hardest or, or biggest lowlight of this trip so far? Well, I'll premise that the van life is agony and ecstasy. The, the ecstasy is opening up your back doors and looking out the ocean and be like, wow, we live at the ocean today. This is amazing. <laughs> the low part was probably in, in the beginning when we were still getting used to the systems that we were trying to build. We didn't understand how everything works, even though we had put it together or it was clunky because we had put it together, you know? Our second night, we're in rural Maine on an alpaca farm. That's where we're staying for the night through the Harvest Host program. And I said, oh, well, I'm going to go make dinner uh, on our butane stove outside. I put it on a plastic table. I didn't bring a light. It's pitch black outside. I go to kind of light the stove, and I don't really notice that there's like oil leaking onto the table, light a match, everything bursts oh. into a huge flame of flyer, fire. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I go to flip over the table to put out the fire. The table slides under the van. And I'm like, oh my gosh, the van's going to explode and all the alpacas are going to be dead. And I, I, I know, this is going to be it. And then I pulled it out and we made it. And Christy's like, what's going on back there? I'm like, nah, nothing. It's fine. <laughs> then the freezing rain came over the next couple of days. Christy threw out her back. We didn't know the systems yet. And we were wondering, what are we going to do? It's cold. The wife's miserable. And I'm hungry. She can't make dinner. And I lit the table on fire. So that was like the first week. That's a low light in the first week. I can see how the beginning would be the toughest part for it sure. It is, right? for sure. Yeah, again, I mean, setting up those systems, like once you have a process, like you have your chores that you know that you're going to set up, mm-hmm. like that's no different than, than the life that we live when we're not moving, when we're stationary. Mm-hmm. You kind of have your roles, uh, whether that's work or knowing when you're going to go into work and, and having that structure. That's one of the things that you mentioned earlier that really stood out to me is how important maintaining some sort of semblance of normal life and having that structure. Mm-hmm. Man, I really identify with that. And I think I would quickly find myself setting up systems and efficiencies and ways to make life easier. All right, Christy, highlights so far of your trip. You guys have been doing this almost a year. What's like the pinnacle? What's the best part? So, you know, we live, as we all know, an amazing country and being able to travel and see it all and meet so many wonderful, nice people all over the country. Chris was saying a little earlier that, you know, some you know, East Coast urbanites think that the country is torn apart and we have all this political discord. But the reality is you go into any bar in any little town across the country and people are kind and good and only care about the same things that you care about. Their families, their job, you know, how to put food on the table and send their kids to school. And I think that being able to, you know, Chris and I have lived only in Washington, D.C. and New York City for our entire adult lives. And so that's kind of a very limited perspective of the country. And so being able to go all the way across the country and talk to people and see what people are really about and realize that, you know, we're all pretty much the same. We're all doing the same things and caring about the same things just in different ways. I think that combined with like the beauty of our country and being able to see it and being able to experience the parks and the forests and everything firsthand and in a very intimate way has been really the best part. And I'll add that there is a, a, a snooty attitude in many East Coast city circles that any life outside of those is mediocre. It's fine. It's cute. It's quaint. No. Life outside of those cities is thriving. Medium-sized cities, certain small towns, rural communities are doing incredible things that I envy not being a part of. And the world is not L.A., D.C., New York, 
And I know that for most listeners, they'd be like, well, duh, Chris, of course. <laughs> but you got to understand how limited your viewpoint gets when you live in those cities. You start to think that that is the only thing that matters and everything else is eh, fine. Yeah. No, it's great out there. I mean, that's awesome. I love hearing how like seeing the country, seeing the beauty, getting out there in nature. I could totally have seen myself in your shoes maybe 10 years ago. <laughs> so I want to get to that. So what advice would you give to maybe our, our listeners who are thinking, man, this sounds amazing. Like this is something I can do. I can work from wherever I want. I, I do database management. I can work whenever I want, wherever I want. What advice would you give people if they're thinking about doing this themselves and, and what things should they consider? So I would say, first of all, know what you're getting yourself into. So there are a a bunch of different ways that you could try on van life or living on the road. There's a RV share. There's a bunch of different companies now that have vans that you can rent for a week or two weeks and go out and try it. Like we've been saying, it, it looks glamorous on Instagram, but the reality is it is one heck of an extended, extended camping trip. And if you don't like camping, you're not going to like living in your van. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> uh, so if you don't like being in nature, and you'd prefer to be in the city, living in a van in a city is very difficult and you're going to have to go out to eat and it's basically like sneaking around and trying not to get caught by the police. <laughs> and so if you feel like you have to be in the city, then it might not be the best, the best thing for you. If you want to be able to go out in nature and stay in for an extended period of time, then like, yeah, maybe, maybe you should try it. And you mentioned some of the RV rental sites yeah, or so companies. R- RV Share is one of them. You actually rent from a person, like rent their van or their oh, RV. like Airbnb, but for mm-hmm. RVs. I think so. Okay. I've never tried it, but I think I believe so. There's Escapees, which is actually they ha- they're out of a bunch of major cities: LA, Miami, New York, where you can rent a van through them, like fly into that city, and then go do the California coast or whatever. And you the Escape Van. Yeah, it's Escape Van. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. Escape Van. Sorry. <laughs> There's a bunch of different options if you want to try on that life. We did not try on that life before we decided to do it. We decided to go all in, but we knew we had a limited amount of time to do this. So we were able to do it. I would also say if you're the kind of person who always has to be comfortable and clean and all those things like this smelling is not, nice, this is not really for you either. There's a lot of uncomfortable situations. You know, sometimes even if the van is like parked a little bit at an angle, like sometimes it could like, you know, mess up your uh, back or something. Is that how you feel your back out? Early no, on? I, no, moving. Moving. Okay. We moved the week before we oh, I thought you were oh, trying yeah. to carry one of those alpacas that Chris tried to <laughs> yeah. kill. No? We heard a great piece of advice from someone that was considering doing this, and they basically knew the square footage of the RV or van they wanted to have, and they took tape, put it in their home where they lived, and they said, for X amount of weeks, we are only going to exist within this tape, and we're going to move our furniture to fit in it, and we're not going out. And if we just hate it then (laughs) we saved ourselves lots of time and aggravation that is brilliant and it ruined the feng shui of their house for several weeks (laughs) but they realized that they could adjust the rhythms of their life to make it possible and you would be shocked how you can adjust how you get used to in our case unplugging the refrigerator so you can plug in the hot water pot for coffee and that just becomes part of your life because you don't have enough sunlight to power both (laughs) (laughs) that's so cool yeah so so what have you guys learned when it comes to your money what have you learned financially uh, through this experience about what it takes to survive obviously you're living on way less than you're living on less than what you're paying in rent purely just your rent in in new york and you're living on less than that what sort of financial lessons will you take with you when you move into a more traditional life let me make a proclamation here we gave away most of our stuff i don't miss anything i can't think of a thing that i desire other than hot running water (laughs) that's it and uh, the one thing we have kept adding is books (laughs) we know kindles exist but we just we're like the bookmobile outside right now. <laughs> um, but I mean, we don't really miss, I don't miss a thing. And so that has taught me that in any purchase going forward, when we do have a home that we'll need to fill up, we are going to be so thoughtful about how we go about doing that. I would make impulse purchases like anyone. You know, one time I was like, I'm going to start boxing. And I bought boxing gloves. <laughs> and I used them twice. And then I had boxing gloves in the quarter you know he came back from hawaii with a surfboard yeah which i am a surfer so like it made sense but it was a ridiculous (laughs) thing to buy for new york city but (laughs) (laughs) but um i'm going to be thinking so much more about buying anything because it's not just about buying it's and then where is this going to go where is this going to go in 10 years what am i going to be doing with it then 
how am I going to get rid of it or, or whatever? And you have to have an end plan for anything like that. That's for me. Yeah. So one of the big lessons of van life and living in any tiny space is learning to be minimalist to some extent. And for us, obviously, we've talked about the privilege to be able to do this, to have gotten rid of all of our stuff and also to know like in the future, like, yeah, we could always buy more stuff again. It's not a problem. But the big lesson, I think, for both of us is the idea of choosing to live a voluntarily simple life. And so right now in the van, we don't have a lot of space. So we are very conscious about what we buy, except for when we buy books, which we buy a lot of because everything has its place and there is only so much space for all the things that we have. Even if that thing's cool, you just don't have room for it. Yeah. There's no, there's no like knickknacks floating around. Sometimes I pick up rocks and then I have all these (laughs) rocks (laughs) somewhere and then I'm like, why do I have these rocks? You sound like my daughter. (laughs) Part of Chrissy's rock collection. (laughs) Anyway, that kind of training coupled with, so voluntary simplicity coupled with what we've learned kind of throughout this process, which is, the world and our society tells you you have to consume and you have to have stuff to be just a little bit more happy. We have found that without any stuff or any like new things, just absolutely what we need, that we are absolutely plenty happy. And part of this lifestyle does involve a lot of organizing and reorganizing and making sure everything has its place, because if not, it just doesn't work. But we hope that like the lesson we take from this is seeing seeing that message that's coming from the world for what it is, that you don't need more stuff to be happy. You just need to learn to be content. If you really need something like you need a coat or long underwear or whatever, we, of course, go out and buy it. But you need to learn to be content with what you have. And if you can't be content with what you have in this country where we have so much, we have access to everything we could possibly want in the entire world. If we're not content with what we have now, we're not going to be content with anything. Mm. And that is, I think, the ultimate lesson that we've learned from van life. That if I'm not content with my clothes and my shoes now, then I'm not going to be content with my husband five years from now. You know, (laughs) we have this upgrade society where it's like we always need something else. We need to upgrade our car, our phone, our stuff to be happy. And that, I think, trains us to think I need to upgrade my relationship. I need to upgrade my house, I need to upgrade my job in order to be happy. And the reality is like happiness is not in any of those things. Happiness is in in the contentment that we find in what we have currently. When we first went to a van meetup, you get to see all the other vans and how much better their (laughs) their craftsmanship is than yours, where you were perfectly happy and proud of what you had built. Look how cool it is. Look how beautiful. And then you see someone else's pine walls, their cedar walls and their beautiful carpentry. And somehow they were able to fit a shower yeah. in the same amount of space. And, <laughs> and, you know, we'd find ourselves getting van envy just as you'd get, you know, uh, suburban Jones envy. You know, yeah. um, I got to have that car. And, you know, we're talking about it and we had to catch ourselves and go, wait, n- no, we don't want that. We just built this and it's great and it's ours. And it is this thing that just pings at you over and over of if you look at the, the Ten Commandments, the last one is, is thou shalt not covet. It's the only one that is said twice. It says thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not covet. Like it says it twice. And that means, in the, you know, they, they didn't have italics back then. So that's how they <laughs> emphasized it. And it also took a lot to like put it into the stone, right? So they're really telling you something. It is part of who we are as humans. And we have to be okay with the limited amount that we have. Yeah. And I find the same thing. So what Chris is talking about, Van Envy, but we found the same thing. Like, you know, we, we try not to spend a lot of time on social media. We didn't have, I didn't have any social media before. I did for work. Yeah. Yeah. Be- but before we lived in a van, we didn't have Instagram or anything. And now we go on Instagram, we see like our, our van friends out there and we're like, man, they're having so much fun. Maybe they're doing this better than us. And we're just like, no, 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 no. We're having, we a, great having time. a great time. We're like, <laughs> we're having the time of our lives. We don't need to be comparing our life and what we're doing to what other people are doing at all. And we don't need to be comparing our van or our vehicle or our houses to what other people have either. What we have works for us and is meeting its purpose. And that's what's important to us. Yeah. The levels and ability that we have now to compare ourselves to others Mm -hmm. have been amplified to such a great degree that it creates that feeling of lack in ourselves, I think now. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just see it all over the place. I see it in myself. And that's why, because I see it in myself. And because you guys see it, even in this cool van that you made and you go out to the campsite and you're like, oh, these other people have better ones. It's just a natural human instinct. And it's only gotten 
more severe and, and mm-hmm. our ability to feel those things has, has amped up so much more because of social media. We talk about that on the show. some just staying away from it. And, and because that is such a, a call to consumerism and it is a call to, to tell you that you don't have what you need when, when you do have what you need. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully you usually yeah. typically in this country, you do have what you need. So yeah, those are great thoughts. We have this thing that we, Chris and I talk about often, we we're living in this society of like constant consumerism where you can go on Amazon or on the internet and get any single thing you could possibly imagine any specialized, ridiculous thing. And you could get it delivered tomorrow or maybe even today. And this idea that we are like constantly looking for the new thing, putting stuff into our shopping carts online. Chris and I have found, you know, like we all have these disposable incomes. We all can do that. But the reality is it only creates more of a desire to continue to do that and to continue living in that way. And so maybe like one of the things that we've learned through the experience is just just say no, like say like maybe one once a month we buy one thing that we don't need and that's it (laughs) or something like that. Have some sort of limit and cap or put something in your shopping cart and let it sit there for two weeks. And if you still think you need it in two weeks, then you can buy it. Limiting ourselves and putting voluntary limits on our spending has been like one of the things that we've really appreciated about, you know, what we've learned from this experience. Yeah. What's amazing too, is that that doesn't change, right? Like you're learning this on the road, but just like you're, you're facing the same temptations and the same desires Mm -hmm. on the road with a limited amount of space that someone would in the suburban house, you know, with Mm -hmm. the giant lawn. Um, it's just, it's the same desires. It's the same sort of call from the, the sirens. Right. And yeah, it's, it's amazing that you're, you're realizing that now and can hopefully take that into your life once you're off the road uh, and t- stick with those, those values and those priorities. One other piece of advice I'd have for folks, and this is based on a lot of conversations with others who've done this, is that you won't necessarily change just because you start living in a van. People think that I'm going to be my best self once I get the RV or the van and I will be doing yoga and I will be meditating and (laughs) I will be at peace and I won't be touching the Instagram anymore. Yada, yada. No, you are your same awful self at home as you will be in your van. It'll change you, but those things will only be amplified because you'll either be alone or with somebody very closely. And no matter what, uh, you'll, you'll notice those things in yourself uh, uh, quite a bit more. So don't think that just because you, don't give into the fallacy that if you buy something or just change your living arrangements that uh, you will do better yoga poses or you'll actually <laughs> put the mat out because if you're not putting the mat out now, you're not going to do it when you get a van. That's a very good point. All right. So can you guys tell us a little bit more about the project you're working on based on uh, this current experience and then and how much longer you have on the road and then where people can find you too? So we are planning to do this through the summer, at least. Uh, That's the best time to travel. You get like double days (laughs) to do cool stuff. But we are embedding ourselves with communities that are trying to opt out of mainstream ways of living or at least craft their own ways uh, to, to thrive in America now that there are so many new tools at hand. The systems we were born into were built by generations past and they worked for them. And it is okay for us to tweak those systems. There's nothing wrong with that. And so we're embedding ourselves with communities that are, are testing those out and individuals that are trying to live intentionally, whether it's community-based, finance-based, housing-based, school-based, trying new things and trying to show people that you don't have to live the way your parents told you you must. There's other ways that are out there and they might just be great for you. Mm, I love that. Right now, the best place to find us uh, is on Instagram at lifeoptedout. Uh, you can also find us at lifeoptedout.com. We're out there looking for stories about people living this way. And if you're one of those people and you have a cool story, email us at optoutmedia at gmail.com. And please tell us your story. And if we're in your neighborhood, we'll come visit. We're in Atlanta right now. So that's why we're on this show. (laughs) Yeah, we're so glad you made an in-person visit to record Matt's fabled dining room table. And thank you guys, Chris and Christy, so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. This has been a fascinating conversation. I think even for people that aren't interested in living life on the road, there are things that they can take away from this show to live their life a little bit differently, a little more intentionally right now. Just kind of reconsider their actions with money and... You know what? Maybe some people will be inspired to completely change things up and to buy a van of their own and uh, and outfit it and hit the road, you know, with their significant other by themselves with their family. And I just think that's so cool. So yeah, thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks.
And back to the beer real quick, Joel. We had nothing left to give by Orpheus Brewing. Uh, again, a huge thanks to Jimmy for donating this one to us. Uh, we'll keep our tasting notes short, but let's just say this was fantastic, full of fruit and lots of raspberry. Oh my gosh, man. A throwback to that Jester King beer that we had not too long oh, ago. That's right. This was like raspberry deliciousness. Man, I'm such a fan. Uh, this is actually... In all seriousness, probably my favorite beer I've ever had from Orpheus. Ooh, for sure. And they make some awesome beers. So that's high praise. Yeah, we've had Wandering Blues before, which is sort of the, maybe the blueberry version of this one, and which was fantastic. But yeah, I'm with you. This one is head and shoulders above that. So, But like we mentioned earlier, we're going to post our show notes up on the website as usual at howtomoney.com. And we'll make sure that we have all of those resources that Chris and Christy were mentioning to live free in the US. So all right, buddy. Until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. Well, how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.